0: As we step into uh, uh, week two of Reclaimed, I want to tell you, last week we looked at uh, 1 Kings and the bronze shields of Rehoboam. uh, And man, just what time it took for him to polish those bronze shields to look like gold, right? Uh, If you'd like to hear that message, you can't yet because I haven't put it online. I apologize. It will be up today, but I just missed it. I don't know. I just got... I usually do it on Mondays and got busy on Monday and forgot, and then it didn't happen. So, uh, but it will happen. I was like, oh, I didn't put the message up. So, uh, we looked at that last week, um, and we established in our hearts that there has to be this reclaiming of territory for the Lord. If you made it a worship night, uh, I share with you a sneak peek of our topic. I don't know what I did with it. I brought one of those little stickers up here and it's gone. Anyway, uh, I share with you a sneak peek of our topic, uh, that we'll be talking about today. We're going to talk about the blessing and I'm so excited to talk about the blessing with you. Uh, and, uh, just pretend that I'm holding up a little circular sticker that says best days ahead. They're on the guest services in the back. If you love our life creed and you want it to be a part of uh, your life every day, some, you can take those stickers. There you go. Jennifer's got one. You can take those stickers uh, with you. There's limited supply back there, but you can pick one up today uh, and just take it. Uh, It's free. Just grab one and you can put, I got mine on my vehicle. Uh, I see it and I didn't do this on purpose, but it's in my back window on my vehicle on the outside. And so, uh, if you're looking at it from the inside, it's backwards, right? Cause it's written so you could see it if you're driving down the road. Well, when I look at it through my rearview mirror, it's forwards again. So I see best days ahead everywhere in my car. It's awesome. I just think the Lord did that for me. So if you want to grab one of those stickers, you can pick one of those up on your way out and just something to remind us of our life creed. So, um, I want to talk to you today about the blessing of the Lord in our hearts and our lives. Uh, we're really not used to this uh, in function in our lives today because blessing is something that happened a lot in the old Testament. You see it some in the new Testament, but really in our current Testament, what we're building right now as, as a society of believers, uh, blessing is kind of hit or miss. I thought it was really cool. Uh, yesterday at the wedding we were at that the father, uh, who is a pastor of a church said, you know, church that I, that I uh, proclaim a blessing over you every week. And he said, today I want to proclaim a blessing over this, uh, couple And so he had them just lift their hands and he prayed a blessing over them. That is something that, uh, the, that pastors have the opportunity and privilege to do. And I'm going to get to do that, uh, for you today. And I'm excited about that, but don't you want to live under the blessing of God? Amen. Don't you don't, I mean, just even if you're like, well, I don't even really know what that means, but there's just a part of you that goes, that's a good thing, right? Like that's gotta be a good thing to live under the blessing of God. So uh, we're going to talk about the uh, importance of the blessing and then the origin of the blessing. And then uh, finally, how to restore the blessing in our lives, how we can reclaim that in our lives. Okay. So we're going to talk about the importance of the blessing, then the origin of the blessing today, and then how to restore uh, that blessing in our lives. And so Uh, First, let's look at the importance of the blessing. I think one of the most famous passages in scripture that talks about the blessing is old Jacob and Esau. Okay. Here's these two buddies. They were brothers and they were twins and uh, they, they come out. Uh, of the womb and they're already wrestling, fighting, just, I mean, coming out, just, just fighting. Like they were just, anybody got a brother like that? Like you fight with them all the time. Uh, me and my brother, uh, busted a window in my house one time it was by accident, but we were wrestling and you know, you're like, it's really fun to wrestle until you hear that sound of breaking glass. And then you're like, we've done it. We're both getting whoopings. This is bad, right? We knew it was over with. Uh, one day I walked into the room and picked up a little metal, uh, pencil sharpener. Uh, and he was across the room and I hurled it at him. <laughs> just because for no reason I wasn't mad at him or anything. I just thought it would be awesome. And it hit him right about here in the forehead and put a gash in his head. And if you've ever had a gash in your head, you know, it just bleeds like, like you're dying. Right. It's like and he starts bleeding and he's like, and, and at first he's laughing. And then that blood, like that first drop of blood, like, shows up on his eyebrow and he can see it. And then it drips and he's like, you wounded me. Like, oh gosh. And so he's crying and then, and then he wants to attack me and you know inflict damage on me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, so we just fought all the time. Same story with Jacob and Esau. Man, they fought all the time. But there was, this, uh, there, there was more to the story than that because uh, Jacob uh, really uh, begrudged Esau and the fact that he was the firstborn son. He begrudged this fact that Esau is older even if just by a little bit, Esau's older. And so uh, Esau was also the hunter, right? He's the one that was daddy's boy, right? He always, uh, he would go out and get food. He would do things with his father. And so he really connected with his dad. Jacob was more of a mama's boy uh, because he was the chef, he cooked, he was always around the house. And so there's nothing wrong with either one of those, but Jacob begrudged the favor that Esau had with his father. And so in this particular story, uh, there's this, comes this moment where now Jacob and Esau's father, Isaac is blind, uh, or nearly blind and he's dying and he wants to, uh, establish or proclaim this blessing over his oldest son. This was common tradition that happened in the old Testament. The father don't miss this. The father would pro- proclaim a blessing over the oldest son in order to carry on his lineage and his wealth. Okay. The Father proclaimed the blessing over the son in order to carry on the lineage and the wealth. so one of the things that the blessing did was that it set up the son for success in his lineage so that he would have so that he would be able to continue to have children and continue to have a, a healthy family and it also set him up in the wealth of the father. Whatever I have is yours, you will be blessed in this way. Right? So Isaac says to Esau, Hey, look, I want you to go out and kill some game and then come back and cook it. Like I like it and come offer it to me. And then I'll pray this blessing over you. So Esau rolls out and Rebecca, who was the wife, a shady individual in this story sees this and goes to Jacob. And she's like, Hey, your father's doing this. Now's your chance because Jacob had already stolen the birthright from Esau. That's a whole nother story over a bowl of beans. That's why they called him red, because the beans were red. He was a little red. And so anyway, they called him Edom Red. So, uh, So Jacob is like, this is my moment. And he's like, all right, mom, there's a problem. Esau, the scripture says Esau was very hairy. The scripture is very descriptive in this. It says that, in fact, Esau was so hairy that when he came out, he looked like he was wrapped in a... In an animal skin blanket. That's how hairy he was. Now, I know some hairy people. I'm one of them. I am a hairy individual. Like, I it just, I, I can't grow hair on my head, but pretty much everywhere else, I can grow hair. Like, it's just, I, man, I'm telling you that me and Carrie reached a new place in our life, in marriage, and relationship. When one day I said, hey, will you just shave my back, please? Like, could you just clean that up? She was like, you mean get rid of the wings? I'm like, yes, please. Cause they kind of look like angel wings, the hair down my back, disgusting. So I get it. Esau's a hairy dude. Jacob apparently is slick. Like he's not hairy. And he's like, there's a problem, mom. She's like, I got it. This is how hairy Esau was. He, she said, we're going to take some sheep skin, some animal skin and, and, and tie it to your neck. Right. And then we're going to tie it onto your arms. So when your dad touches animal fur, he's going to go, oh yeah, of course that's Esau. This was a hairy joker. Y'all right? Like that's just, I can't ever get past that. Right. So we pick up the story right here where, where Jacob is trying to, uh, to trick his dad. It starts in Genesis chapter 27, verse 27. It says this. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, Okay, because he put on Esau's clothes. He was finally convinced and he blessed his son. He said, ah. The smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors. Isn't that everybody's son, right? The smell of the outdoors, uh, which the Lord has blessed from the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth. May God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants. This is the blessing. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Things are about to get go down, right? Like, it's obvious something's about to happen, right? East, Jacob's, like, sneaking out the door, and Esau's coming. He's like, huh, what are you doing in dad's room? Okay, anyway, hey, and so he walks in. and says, Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. And then he said, sit up my father and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. Now, now this is the importance of the blessing. Look at verse 34. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. This is, this is the, the father's son, the one who doesn't show a lot of emotion. He let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. For the next four verses, he continues to beg his father for a blessing all the way down to where he says, do you not have one more blessing for me? That's the importance of the blessing. Isn't it crazy that there would be something this important in the Old Testament that we don't participate in anymore? Isn't that weird, right? It's strange that things that uh, you go, well, it's just, it's just custom, right? Like that's just custom. Well, yes, yeah, some of it. But I want to talk to you today about the blessing so that we can understand this thing that was so important in the Old Testament has a role and a purpose in our life, not just in our families, right? Not fathers, you can do this for your own children, but also I believe to our heavenly father and us. There's a blessing that the father wants us to live in and under. The story goes on, but suffice to say that Jacob won that round and Esau missed out on his father's blessing. The father's blessing because it set up typically the eldest son to prosper in his life and carry on, remember the lineage, the health and the wealth of his father. It wasn't automatic. The son had to operate under the blessing and follow its terms in order to reap the benefit of the blessing. Everybody still with me today? All right, that's a little bit of like background, okay? So we looked at the importance of the blessing. Now we're gonna look back at the origin of the blessing in Genesis and see exactly what it is that God blesses. The word bless comes from the word Barak. It also means to kneel, which I think is really interesting to me. And I did some research on it and couldn't find out anything to give you about that. But maybe you can do some research on it and find out what kneeling and blessing have to do with each other. I did a little bit of research on it, but I didn't feel like it was... Prevalent today. So if you go all the way back to the first time that the word bless shows up in Scripture, there's a a rule. I was talking about this with Jeff earlier this week. There's a rule. Uh, that theologians use called the law of first appearances. Whenever you see something show up in scripture, if you go back to the very first time that it showed up, it'll give you context as to what it means, okay? The origin of it. And so the first time that blessing shows up is in Genesis chapter one. uh, And Genesis chapter one gives us the story of the creation of the world. And there's this amazing pattern. Now stay with me because this is so important. There's this amazing pattern of God creating space. All right, he created the sky, right? right. and then filling it, the sun, the moon, the stars, okay? He creates space, the land, and then fill it, trees and vegetations, and then later animals. He creates space, gathering the water together for seas, and then he fills it with fish and all this stuff. Like, it's just crazy how God creates space, and then he fills it over and over and over and over again, all the way down to humans. He creates man, and then he's like, it's not good for man to be alone, and so he creates woman, and he's like, it's not good for a woman. Uh, he creates woman for the man and they come together. And then when they really come together, okay, then all of a sudden he creates space in the woman and then he fills it. Isn't that crazy how, how God just does that? And don't miss this. God took creation power, which was only his, and gave it to us. He could have been just the creator, like we just go to it could, church could have been really weird. If that would have been the case, right? You would just come and pray for a child and God would create one in the back, I guess. And then you'd be like, here you go. That'd be weird, right? We just bring our little piles of dirt to church and be like, God, just give me a child. Then all of a sudden you feel this breath and then it just turns into a baby. That'd be strange. I'm grateful for the other way that he decided to do it. and He gives us creation power. So the first time that creation power shows up in the animals, check this out in Genesis chapter one, verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. Thanks for that. Some touch my leg and every sort of bird, each producing offspring creation, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And then look, then God, then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. This is the first time blessing shows up anywhere in scripture. He says, oh, you can create, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came marking the fifth day. So there's this new wrinkle that's entered into this pattern that God had. He creates space and then he fills it. And then the things that he filled it with created again and he blessed it. Okay. So this is the origin of the blessing. When God saw his creation acting like the creator, he blessed it. Are you with me? When God saw the creation acting like the creator, he blessed it. When he saw them aligning their purpose with his purpose, up until this point, everything that had been created had only been created by God, and now the created thing was creating. And God says, since you are aligning yourself with me and allowing yourself to do what I do, then I'll bless it, okay? That's, this is the origin of the blessing, church. This is what it's all about. If we're going to reclaim the blessing, we have to know what we need to do to reclaim the blessing. Well, one of those things is that we have to align ourselves with the creator of the universe and do what he does. And once we, are, once we look so much like him that we're doing what he does, then he says, Poof, blessing follows. Be fruitful and multiply. He's like, not just, don't just do that once. Do, I do, fill the earth. That's what he told the animals. Fill the earth. And they're everywhere now, Right. And so fast forward to Genesis chapter three and we have the fall of man. This is rough times for us. Thanks a lot, Eve. Adam and Eve had been created and they told that they can have it all except for fruit from one tree. Isn't that weird? That by the end of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, there's like 300 and something laws that are set up for God's people. And at the beginning, there was just one. Just goes to show, you don't matter if there's just one law or 300 and something of them, we are gonna break it, right? Like it doesn't matter. It's just like, Part of us, like we did it. So, Adam and Eve are saying, You can have, have it all except for fruit from one tree. They disobey, bay, this is commonly called sin, and all of a sudden, the opposite of blessing enters the scene for the first time. We've been talking about blessing, this is the opposite. A blessing. So we're gonna check out that story real quick. It's it's lengthy, fourteen verses, but I'm gonna roll through it, just follow with me. Starting in verse one of chapter three. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals, he still is, and the Lord God that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, I'm glad snakes don't talk anymore, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Notice from the beginning, the devil is a liar. And when he speaks, he he speaks lies, okay? He said to them, did God say you can't have any fruit? Well, that sounds pretty like bummer, right? Like God makes all these fruit trees and you can't have any of it. And Eve corrects him and says, no, no, no. We can eat any of the fruit we want, just not from this tree. Right, the very first words that the devil speaks is a lie, okay? So she says, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. When, I'm just going to take a moment right here this is just an aside for ladies because I feel like this is this is awful I shouldn't do this, but I'm just going to take it aside. you know how when you go shopping and you're like before you look at the price tag you look at something you notice how beautiful it is right and just how great it would look on you right? And then price doesn't even matter at that point. I'm just saying it's a tactic the enemy's been using all the way back from the beginning. That's all I'm saying. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, moving right along. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. I'm I'm take another moment right here. Guys, have you ever noticed that... It's not always this way, but usually it has something to do with a female that gets you in trouble. I'm not saying that women are bad. It's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that our spiritual compass goes haywire, okay? Because while she was looking at the fruit and that it was beautiful and delicious, he was looking at her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just be honest what's happening here, right? And he's so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs that she could have given him anything, right? She, she could have given him anything and said, you should try this. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. right Like he just just jumps right in. It's a tactic that the enemy's been using for years, and he still does it to this day. Guys, be careful who you align yourself with in relationship. Be careful who you align yourself with in relationship. The first one was kind of a joke, and then that second one really kind of got serious. Okay, verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Check this out. (laughs) They sewed fig leaves. It had to be some big fig leaves is all I'm thinking. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Man, this sound that used to be so precious to them, right? Here comes God. Now they're afraid. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, um, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman who you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. <laughs> Adam, man, that's, that's the king of our race right there, man. Thanks a lot, Adam. What a loser, right? He's like, it was her fault. And that's why and I ate it. And then Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, oh, check this out. Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the animals. The opposite of blessing, domestic and wild. You'll crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Now, don't miss this church. When the creator sees us, acting like the creator, we're blessed. But when the creator sees us acting like the creation, we're cursed. Their sin separated them from God, but the curse came on them when they were enticed more by the creation than the creator. I think all of a sudden, every one of us in the room have this real clear picture of whether we're living in blessing or or we're living under a curse. Are you more aligned with the creator in what you do and who you are and how you act and how you live? Or are you more in line with the creation? The Lord goes on and he curses Eve and he curses Adam. He he gives Eve this curse. You'll have pain in childbirth. Man. That's rough, ladies. I'm just going to say, like, I guess before that, you could have just had a baby with no epidural or anything. Like just, there you go, into the world. He curses man by saying, now you're going to work for the ground and and, and you'll toil. It's going to be hard work for you to plant. That's why we struggle planting a garden, guys, because of Adam. Feels like the woman got the worst curse, I'm just saying, but that's just the the way it lines out in Scripture. So we've seen the importance of the blessing. It allows us to carry on the health and wealth of the father, right? The importance of the blessing that allows us to live in the health and carry on the wealth of the father. Okay. So if you, if you just turn that into, into, to spiritual terms, if you haven't done that already in your mind, if you turn that into spiritual terms, then all of a sudden we're taking this blessing from God. Okay. And when God blesses us, now we are allowed to live in the health of the Lord, man, spiritual health, uh, 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 mental health is such a big crisis that we're in in our society right now. Uh, and and and, it, and it's got to be more than just pray about it, right? Like uh, you've probably already done that if you struggle with mental health issues. But I do believe that when we live in the blessing that the Lord takes and he renews our mind and he works in us. And so there's this longevity that comes spiritually for us. We carry on the health And we carry on the wealth of the Lord. Now, that's not, you don't get the cattle on a thousand hills, okay? But what we get spiritually in wealth is a a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of understanding, a wealth of uh, direction that the Lord gives us when we follow and live under that blessing, okay? So that's the importance of it. Now we've seen the origin of the blessing. It happens when we are aligned more with the creator than with creation. So then how do we reclaim the blessing in our lives and our homes? I know this has been a little like teaching instead of preaching today, but this is it. One last passage of scripture to understand, uh, we turn to the book of second Kings. You think we're going to get out of here without looking at first or second Kings, right? Uh, first and second Kings are full of Kings who come to power in Israel and Judah, which was a split off of Israel, uh, and, uh, and introduce pagan shrines, gods, and practices to the people of Israel. It's full of stories like that. It'll say, so-and-so followed the Lord, but he didn't tear down the Asherah poles. Or so-and-so followed the Lord, but he didn't drive out the temple prostitutes. Or so-and-so followed the Lord, but uh, he he, he, uh, allowed his prophets to worship Baal. Or this guy didn't follow the Lord at all, and he let it all in. So now, all of a sudden, the creation, Israel, God's chosen people, they're like the example for us in Scripture, okay? They don't look like the creator anymore because they're not just worshiping the lord there's all this uh, polytheism they're, they're 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 worshiping multiple gods and they're like yeah god but he's just one of the gods right and so there's all of this stuff that has in infiltrated into their lives and so they're living under a curse okay they're not living under the blessing anymore they're living under the curse and then enters Josiah first and second kings i think is also a picture of what god does for us he continues to over and over again to go hey come back, come back, get back under the blessing, get back under, he does that, he'll do that all your life. Anybody in here, if you're like, I'm too old, nope, he'll do that all your life. If you're like, well, I'm too young, or I've done too much, no, he'll do that all your life. He'll continue to draw you back in under the blessing. So here comes Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Eight years old. Brantley, how old are you? Five, six? Man. So just uh, in two years, for two years from Brantley's birthday, he, uh, he would be a, Leah, how old are you? Seven. One more year, Leah would be king. That's how old Josiah was. Just think about that. Do what? Eight in December. So in December, boom, she would be king. Uh, and I don't know, I'm just guessing like out of all the children, she might be a good one. I, I'm just, it's what I've seen in her leadership abilities. Eight years old, Josiah becomes king, and he ruled as uh, as a king for 31 years Uh, in uh, under his, Ministry. In the 18th year of his reign, okay, so now he's 26 years old. In the 18th year of his reign, he began rebuilding the temple of the Lord. The scripture says that Josiah did everything right in the Lord's eyes. And so while it's being rebuilt, Hilkiah the high priest finds the book of the law and gets it to Josiah. Now, catch this these guys were so far off the mark, right? that they didn't even know where the book of the law was, the Bible. Could you imagine having one Bible and you lose it? That's exactly what had happened to the Israelites, right? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? I don't know. My mom says something about following God and trusting him. Well, where, where does she get that from? The Bible, the book of the law. Where's that at? I don't, I don't know. The priest lost it a long time ago. It's just sitting in the temple, just lost, okay? This is after Rehoboam and the bronze shields. This is a long time. In fact, if we we're going to look at the whole story, Jeroboam is mentioned uh, in, this, in this problem of the things that he drove out. Uh, but Jeroboam was, was before Rehoboam. So this is even after that, all right? Josiah, 26 years old. Look at what happens in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. That's a common form of lamenting in Old Testament. I'm pretty glad we don't do that anymore. He was, he was distraught in his spirit. They're like, hey, we found this book, what's in it? And he opens it up and he starts to read from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And all of a sudden, Josiah is aware. We're supposed to be living under a blessing and we're not. We're living under a curse, right? Right. And so then down in verse 13, two verses later, uh, so he goes to Hilkiah and says, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We've not been doing everything it says we must do. that's a good king right there. That's a good king right there. He's like, hey, go talk to the Lord about this and find out what we need to do because we hadn't been doing what's in this book. Hey, we, we need to be doing what's in this book, right? Max Lucado says it like this, that on his way to work, uh, he used to always go down this little back alley. Like he was like, this is, and it cut off. Like there was this traffic would back up on the road he was on. And then he gets to the alley and he would just shoot over and he's like, yes, awesome. All right. So one day his wife's in the car. This is the good side. And his wife's in the car and he's, and he's like, Ooh, she's driving. He's like, Ooh, take that road right there. Just, just go right there. It, it'll cut us off and we can get in front of all the traffic. And she goes, no. And he says, why would you not do that? We're not going to sit in traffic. We just go right there. She says, Max that's a one-way street. He'd never seen the arrow. Never, just never noticed, do not enter signs, the arrow. And he said, now all of a sudden, the knowledge of knowing what was wrong that I was doing became a constant battle for me every day when I drove to work and I sat in that line of traffic and I was like, I could just shoot right through that. Nobody's ever on that road. I could just shoot right there. Nobody would even know. But now he's aware that he's breaking the law. This is what happens. Josiah is now aware that they're breaking the law and he's like, we gotta do something. The Lord tells King Josiah, check this out. He says, he's going to bring disaster on the city and its people for their disobedience, okay? So this is when Hilkiah goes to the Lord and asks him, what's going to happen? He's like, well, these guys are going to suffer for being being disobedient, but not during your reign because you were grieved about the scroll, scroll, because you understood that we need to be different. And so as long as you're the king, I won't bring judgment on the people. Now, I don't know about you. He's a good king. If I was king, I'd be like, sweet. I mean, that's good. Like, I'm good, so we're good. Like, everybody just going about your business. You're going to all get, it's going to get rough after I'm gone, but as long as I'm here, we're good. But that's not what Josiah does, okay? Josiah steps up in chapter 23, and he shows us how to reclaim the blessing. We've seen the importance of the blessing, the origin of the blessing, and now this is how to reclaim the blessing. It starts in, uh, for full detail, it starts in verse 1. You can go and read all of that if you want to, what he does. I mean, he is, I mean... Kicking over things and taking names. Like it's intense what he does. It's it's amazing. Like he's tearing stuff down. It's awesome. We're going to fast forward. There's a recap of it. Like a little summary in verse 24. And this is what it says. Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength. Obeying all the laws of Moses, and there's never been a king like him since. Never before had anybody done what Josiah did, and there's never been a king like him since. You want to know how we reclaim the blessing in our life? Man, we scour the place that God, the kingdom that God's given us, and we begin to look through and say, okay, this doesn't belong. This doesn't belong. This doesn't belong. And he got rid of it. He just demolished it. He just tore it down. He just... It was done with, I thought about getting a big 55 gallon drum and putting it right here and just say, Hey, meet back at two o'clock with all of your CDs. And that's what we used to do back in the day. Y'all don't even know about that teenager. Look back in the day, we would have CD burnings at the drop of a hat, right? I mean, just when my casemate got so full of CDs, right? And he'd be like, Hey, if you got them secular CDs, you need to bring them to the church. We're going to burn them out on the, Oh man. And I'd be like, yes, Jesus, I'm sorry. And burn them. I'd get so mad. Cause that's a lot of money that I'd spent. It was awful. All right, we're not going to do that today. Thank the Lord, we're not going to do that. Because you know what happened about three months later, I go out and buy one of them, you know, and just start building my collection again. I've also learned since then, uh, just in growing up, that there's a lot of good music out there that's not heathen, but it ain't talking about Jesus. Who would have thunk it? You know, God created us as musical people, and some people just make great music. that just doesn't happen to have Jesus as the focus of it, and that's okay. That's all right, so... Kudos to you if you if you have great taste in music, all right? What happened though with Josiah was not, he wasn't going through and, and looking through their CD collection. He was going through and on their counter, he was taking idols and he was taking them down. He was like, no, no, we won't worship that. I believe it's Charles Spurgeon. I'm not 100% sure on this. One of our early church fathers is is uh, is uh, um, uh, said that he said this quote. Sorry, I couldn't think of what to say right there. he's accredited to it. That's the word I was looking for. Our hearts are idol making factories. Like that's what we do. We just sit around and sooner or later we're like, well, I mean, I can do this and worship that instead of worshiping God. So what's an idol? An idol is just anything that sets itself in front of the Lord for us. Anything that's between us and God is an idol. It could be Xbox, it could be television, it could be your phone, it could be the internet, it could be uh, sports, it could be your children, whatever. It could be anything. It could be anything. Anything that's between you and God is an idol. So please don't go get rid of your children, all right? But to walk in blessing, we realign our home and say, God, you're number one. You're the first. Amen? You're the first. Uh, just before we take up that offering for Ecuador, I ask Zach to come to the keys, and I, I just want us just to spend a few moments this morning uh, in prayer. Uh, last week I gave you a practical step: just to, hey, just take one day a week, and I'm going to ask you to do that again. Just take one day a week uh, through, through November, and just 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 shut down the screens in your house, and just have time with you and the Lord. I failed miser. I tried it one day and failed miserably at it. Uh, tried it another day and failed miserably at it this week. And, uh, and I think I did it by, me and Carrie did it by accident on like Friday. I'm just being honest with y'all. So if you're like, gosh, I didn't do that. Don't worry. I didn't do really great at it this week either. <clears throat> but I believe there's importance in, uh, saying, Lord, we want to set aside time for you and, and give you that opportunity um, and, and really for me, I learned this week, right? Like the, it has to be something that we prepare for. And we do not just like, I think today'd be a good day. That's kind of how I approached it. It didn't work. So <clears throat> if you tried that last week, probably didn't work for you either. So we're setting up a time, but I'll take it a step further this week and just ask you just, to, um, I, w- w- we, the, the blessing, I think centers so much around the family and scripture that I do believe that it's important for us to reclaim time with one another and family as well. And so I'm going to ask you just once this week, just one time this week, that you have a meal together at your house and that no screens are allowed at the table. The very practical step, you just leave your screens off somewhere. Some of you may already do that, like we don't bring screens to the table. I'd love to hear about it because I do believe it's healthy and I believe it, it challenges you in a way uh, that, uh, that connects you to one another. But spiritually, I believe the challenge for us is this, that we search ourselves and say, God, are there any idols in my life that need to be torn down? Because I want to live under the blessing, and I know you do too. And so we just ask God, God, are there any idols in my life that need to be torn down? We can take it all the way back to the origin and say, God, am I aligning myself more with the creator, you, you? or with creation. And as we search ourselves this morning and ask the Lord to do that work in us, I believe what happens is you say, well, should we do an altar call? I mean, we could, but all you're going to do at the altar call is just commit. The altar call really happens this week. We're just going to ask the Lord, God, would you begin in me a, a life of blessing? Let us start today. Amen. Let it start today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Just as a way of accountability, my hands up, just as a way of accountability. If you'd say, Matt, I've got some idols in my life or uh, some realigning that needs to happen in me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to work on that this week. I want the Lord to do that in me. Would you just put your hand up with me? Just join me today. Say, yeah. Awesome. All over the place today. God's so faithful. He's so faithful. God, you see the hands that were lifted and Lord. We thank you for your word. Because conviction comes to our heart, not because of what I said, but because of what you speak to us. And God, hands are raised today in commitment out of conviction. It's not condemnation, Lord. You're not looking to beat us up. But today, Father, you are saying, hey, let's realign so that you can live under the blessing. So I pray today, Lord God, that as as we do that in our hearts and commit this week to say, Lord... Search us if there's idols that are in our life. Help us to remove those things, Lord God. If there are things in us that need readjusting so we can be realigned, Lord God, do that in us. Father, that when we go home and when Monday hits, Lord God, that we would uh, again be able to remember what you spoke to us in your word. And those things would begin to realign in us as well. God, we trust you. We trust you to show us things that don't need to belong that we'd be able to walk in them and, and pull them out of our lives and say, no, nope, no, nope, God, that's, that's God's space. It's where he lives. And in doing so, God, we believe that we will walk in a blessing from you. A blessing that promises us the health and the wealth of the Lord. Thank you for healing, God. Thank you for peace. Thank you for joy. Thank you for understanding Thank you for prosperity. Thank you for longevity of life. Lord, we believe that we will walk in the blessing of the Lord. And now as your pastor, I want you just to lift your hands. Like if you were receiving a real big gift, just lift your hands. I'd like to pray a blessing over you. Father, I bless your people in your name. God, may their days be aligned with you and may they walk in, In the favor of the Lord. God, I pray for uh, opportunities to show up at their doorstep that they did not previously see or know. I pray that answers to prayers that they have prayed for years, Lord, that they would show up this week. God, I pray, Father, for lost loved ones in their home to come back to you that they would be able to stand and declare, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. God, I pray for health in their bodies. I pray for strength in their lives. I pray for a renewing of their mind. And as they trust and follow you, Lord God, that they will be your chosen people, an example of what it means to live under the blessing of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. If I can get the ushers to come, we want to give you, uh, another opportunity to give this morning, uh, to Ecuador. I mentioned it on the front side. And I'll just reiterate. We're, at, uh, I think we're right about $1,500 that would really help us, uh, in expense and building costs. Um, we have, uh, we're going into the jungle to build a church. We're going, well, it's already there to put the floor down on a church and to build bricks up on the side and put walls on the church. Um, we have ladies on the trip this time. They'll be working in hope house and, uh, working with the young ladies there and they've already bought some supplies that they're going to be using there. And so this offering will also go to supplement the cost of those supplies. Uh, thank you church, uh, for sending us, man. I'm excited. Me and Herman, we're stoked. He's, he's already got his, uh, his Baja on today. He's ready to go. Um, it's going to be a great trip. Uh, Jody, I know is excited. Um, and, uh, all of us are just, we're just so excited about the opportunity to be a part and partake of this trip. Uh, pray for us as we go on this trip and believe, um, pray that I remember to take pictures and video so that you can see it when we get back. Um, and pray for our team as we go, that we would connect not just with one another, but with the spirit of the Lord and with God's people. I believe the Lord's going to do that in us and through us. Thank you in advance for your giving. Let's pray over this offering. God, would you do a work in Ecuador? Father, I thank you for the men and women from this church that are going to participate. God, I pray, Father, for your safety and your protection. I pray for wisdom, Lord God. I pray for divine appointments. Even right now, Lord God, that you would begin to set those up, that we'll meet uh, someone in the village or someone on the street or even someone sitting next to us on the airplane, Lord God, that needs to know the salvation message of Christ. And Lord, that we'll be able to share that with them. Father, use us for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord God. May we be uh, of great help to Joel and Leah and the missionary team there. Father, uh, bless those who are able to give today, Lord God. and, uh, And may this go, Father, and meet the need. We trust you and know that it will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you give this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. As you're giving, let me just remind you, uh, this week on Thursday, we have men's meeting, uh, at 630, uh, men, we're not making snowmen out of boards, sorry, uh, but we will have some great food and great words, it's gonna be awesome, join us right here at the church, 630 for that, uh, Joel, uh, Temple will be with us, a missionary to France, and, uh, they'll be with us, um, next, um, not next week, but the next week, uh, on the 24th, and we're excited, uh, that his family will be with us. They're in town, and so I'm excited that they'll be with us and joining with us in service. We'll also take up an offering for them uh, that Sunday while they're here. Next week, Pastor Tim's going to preach in my absence. Uh, Tim Jones, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, and that'll be awesome. And um, I, we'll try to record it too, so <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, uh, so um, thank you for um, for being here today. Thank you for joining us. We're so grateful to have you in service. Um, go and be blessed, loved one.